Well, good evening, everybody. So good to see you. As always, thank you for participating with us, whether you're here uh, in person or you're participating online. Thank you for being part of our midweek Bible study. I know you have a lot going on during the week, so the fact that you make time uh, to be with your church family and to study scripture and to think about your own walk with Jesus is, is huge. It's big, and I appreciate you so very much. I appreciate the encouragement uh, that you are and that your presence is to, to all of us. Uh, if, you, if you're not aware of our family conference, you probably are by now because you can see it all around me on the stage, but uh, our family conference is this Saturday, and, and I think that it's one of the best things that we do here at McDermott Road. It is always an, an incredibly encouraging day, uh, especially for parents, but again, if you're grandparents or your aunts or your uncles or, or you know children, whatever your role in the family is, uh, we would love for you to come and to be part of our Road Family Conference this Saturday. As an, attender, as an attender, or uh, we also need some volunteers. Matt told me this afternoon that he is really, 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 really trying to find uh, about three more volunteers. He needs somebody to volunteer to help in the morning before lunch and two people to help in the afternoon after lunch. So if you can help with that, contact Matt Mead this, after, or this evening or tomorrow, uh, let him know that you would like to help. That would be a tremendous blessing uh, to all of us. And if you want to attend uh, the Road Family, uh, the, or the RoadFM.org, I'm pretty sure is where you can register to be here on Saturday. Okay, we are continuing to talk about resisting Satan, resisting the devil, resisting evil and the lies that Satan uses to deceive us and to bring our life to ruin. And I want us to think about a word tonight, and that, that word is repetition. Repetition is a powerful thing, isn't it? Repetition is a powerful thing. And you've probably heard this phrase before, repeat a lie often enough and it becomes the truth. Repeat a lie often enough and it becomes the truth. Psychologists call this illusion of truth effect, the illusion of truth effect. Researchers, I read a little bit today about researchers that have used this idea to repeat phrases to people, some phrases being true phrases and some phrases being false phrases, and regardless of sort of how believable something might be or the familiarity that a person might have with a phrase, if you repeat a phrase often enough, people find it far more plausible. People are far more likely to believe that something might be true simply based on the fact that they've heard it over and over and over and over again. And the reason that happens is because in our mind we sort of use shortcuts, don't we? Because when we hear information all day, every day, we don't have time or the energy to fact check everything. We probably should in today's world, but we don't have time to fact check everything. And so we sort of rely on our gut instinct sometimes and we say, okay, well that, that seems true, that, that seems true, maybe that's true, or I, I think that could be true, it's plausible anyway, and one of the reasons we do that is because we've heard it over and over and over again. And so if somebody is saying something to us over and over and over again, over time, we get to the point where we may or may not accept it fully, but we will at least say that seems like it could be true. 
And so that's something that we need to be on guard against, isn't it? That we need to be on guard against this idea because lies that are repeated often enough seem true. And we've really been thinking about the lies that are going on in our own mind, the things that we say to ourselves. What are some of the things that you say to yourself over and over and over and over again? Because some of them aren't very pleasant, some of them aren't very nice, and some of them aren't very true. You have things, don't you, that you say to yourself. Maybe, maybe you say to yourself, you're, you're worthless. You are worthless or you are unlovable. And you repeat those lies to yourself over and over and over again. Or maybe on a positive side or what might feel like a positive side, you might say to yourself a lie that says, you deserve, you deserve better than this. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to fulfill yourself. You deserve to have everything that you want. And even though those things may not be true, if you say them over and over and over again, you are going to get to the point where you think, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true, and you may even get to the, the point where you say that is true, and it becomes the truth by which you live your life. It becomes the distorted version of reality by which you operate your life. And, and we've also challenged ourselves to think about the fact that sometimes these ideas are not simply ideas. They are demonic. Is that something that we're willing to accept? That behind these lies, there is, there is demonic forces at work. There are demonic forces at work behind the lies we tell ourselves, behind the lies we believe. After all, didn't Paul say, we often quote that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, that our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But what is our struggle against? We... We put on the full armor of God that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's serious, isn't it? That, that lie that you tell yourself that lie that keeps harassing you over and over and over and over again, that lie that you've sort of brought in and you've just accepted and you've adopted and you're beginning to operate your life by that lie that keeps harassing you over and over again in your mind, behind that lie are demonic forces, forces of evil in the heavenly places. And Paul says we are wrestling against these schemes we are wrestling against the devil's schemes. These are not just lies that have no consequence. They are not just lies that sprung up from nowhere. Behind these lies are demonic forces, and we are fighting against them. We are struggling against them. We started this class by saying, you can overcome. You can resist. You can, as Paul puts it here in Ephesians 6, you can stand firm. You are able to stand firm, and that's good news, isn't it? You are able to stand firm. Sometimes when we talk about this spiritual warfare, we feel like it's, it's inevitable that every single time we're tempted, we're gonna give in every single time, and that, that should not be the way that it is. 
Yes, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short, and we will continue to struggle, and we will continue to fall short, but every time you are tempted, there is a way of escape. Every single time. You, you have the ability to stand firm, to be strong, to wrestle against these lies, and to overcome them. But tonight we want to talk about the fact that That overcoming and standing firm requires more than just knowing that it's a lie. And so if if I hear that voice in my head, that lie that I keep telling myself, Wes, you are a loser. You are unworthy. You are unlovable. You are worthless. Or the lie in my head that says, Wes, you deserve to be happy. Go indulge yourself. Go do whatever you feel like doing. Whatever that lie is, it's one thing for me to say, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true that I'm unlovable. That's, that's not true that I'm, I, I can go and fulfill my desires and that I deserve to, to go and have every pleasure that my flesh wants. It's one thing to acknowledge that those things aren't true, but but there's more to it than that. This is more than just intellectual. This requires us to actually do something to fight against, to struggle against, to wrestle against these lies. Repetition sort of has two sides, doesn't it? Because discipline and training and practice are also all about repetition, aren't they? I, I like to joke sometimes that I do one sit-up a day in the morning when I get up, that's half, you know, and then at night when I go to bed, that's the other half, yeah, and so I do one, one sit-up a day. And when you go to the gym, when you go to the gym, you don't get there and say, well, listen, I, I did the bench press one time, that, that was about six months ago, and yeah, I did the treadmill once, that, that was about three months ago, and yeah, I lifted some dumbbells one time, that was about two weeks ago, I'm pretty much getting them all done. It's not the way it works, is it? Strength is built by doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Lies seem like truth when they're repeated over and over and over again. But also strength, both physically and spiritually, strength is built up by doing the right thing over and over and over again by speaking truth over and over and over again. If you are telling yourself lies in your head, and guess what? You are. I am. We, we tell ourselves lies in our head all of the time. We are deceiving ourselves, or at least Satan wants us to be self-deceived. If that is happening, if we are adopting the lies that we have experienced in the world, that we've heard in the world, and we are repeating themselves over and over to ourselves, then we have to repeat over and over to ourselves the truth more than we repeat the lies, don't we? Every time we tell ourselves a lie, every time we hear a lie in our head, every time we experience a lie, every time we hear a lie, we have to talk back to the lie. We have to talk back to the lie with the truth over and over and over again. Repetition is an incredibly powerful thing. We have to continue to speak the truth every time we hear a lie. In fact, I was thinking about this phrase. I'm not going to put it on the screen, but I was thinking, you know, we we often say you are what you eat 
it's probably more true that you are what you repeat. You are what you repeat, aren't you? You are what you repeat. And, and, and every single one of us are repeating things. We're repeating actions, things that we do, and we're also repeating phrases and words and ideas over and over and over again in our head and sometimes out loud. So much so that eventually over time we get to the point where that becomes us. And, and Satan wants us to repeat these lies often enough in our mind and with our mouth and with our life where we're operating by a distorted version of reality so that that is what we become. We become the lie we've told ourselves. And Jesus wants to undo Satan's work. Yes, forgiving us, absolutely, but also to create in us the strength and the power to stand firm where we can resist these lies, where we can begin to operate according to the truth. And the truth is Jesus. The truth is the gospel. Jesus gives us the truth by which we operate our lives. But it's not just something we hear one time and like, oh, Jesus, okay, cool, got it. Yep, we got it. Jesus is the answer. It's <laughs> not how it works. It's the truth that has to be repeated over and over and over again, both with our words and with our thoughts and with our actions. This is discipline. We call these spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices, spiritual training, spiritual habits. You are what you repeat. The things that you say to yourself in your mind, the things that you say out loud, and the things that you do, you become these things. I want us to think through how Jesus fought with the devil. Look at Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. When Jesus goes into the wilderness, and, and I think that this is a great parallel to what happened with Israel in the wilderness. Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years, and Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 Days, so 40 periods of time, they were in the wilderness. And, and when Jesus is fighting with the devil, he doesn't use a sword, doesn't use a spear, he doesn't use a bow and arrow. He uses truth and the Spirit of God. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, is that on the, do we have that? Nope, I'm sorry. Okay, you got your Bibles. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. It says, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. This is how he did battle with Satan, is he was full of the Holy Spirit. And the devil said to him, verse 3, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stone, this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Let's think about that for a second. So the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. What's the lie? What's the lie? What is it that he's trying to tempt Jesus to believe. It, it helps when we look at Jesus' response because Jesus' response is the truth that undermines the lie, isn't it? And Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So what's the lie? 
The lie is if you really are the son of God, then you can be self-sufficient. You can take care of yourself. You can use your power and your strength to meet your own needs. That's the lie. And isn't that a similar lie to what the devil tells you and tells me? That you can be self-sufficient? That you don't need to trust in God? That you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps? That all it takes is you and that you have the power and you have the strength? If you really are God's children, you should be able to take care of yourself. Use your power and your strength to meet your own needs. But Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So not only is Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit in the presence of God and relying on the Spirit, but he's also speaking truth that comes from where? Scripture, right? He's speaking Scripture to the lies. And this is how we do battle with Satan, isn't it? Verse 5, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. What's the lie? What's the lie? What's the lie when he says, I'll I'll give you all of these kingdoms if you'll bow down and you'll serve me? Isn't Jesus going to inherit the whole world anyway? Isn't Jesus going to rule over the world anyway? Isn't Jesus going to be the king? Isn't he going to defeat Satan and take over the world and have all authority in heaven and on earth? Yes. But all of that glory and authority is on the other side of the cross. The lie is there's a shortcut. You don't need a cross. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to die. I can give it to you. All you have to do is worship me and I'll give you all of this power and authority and glory. And Jesus rebukes the lie with the truth. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus knows the truth that it's the meek. It's those who trust in the Lord It's those who take up their cross. It's those who worship only God who will inherit the earth. Jesus knows the truth and he speaks the truth to the lie. Verse 9, And Satan, the devil, took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. What's the lie? What's the lie? In saying, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself off and he'll protect you. If God really cares about you, he'll keep you from harm. Test him. Test him. See if he really cares about you. Because if he he really cares about you, he won't let you suffer. What's the truth? It's not our place to put God to the test. It's our place to trust him and to obey him. You see, all all of these temptations that, that Satan throws at Jesus, he throws at us as well, doesn't he? The same sorts of lies. The same sorts of lies that appeal to our flesh. That say, you don't have to suffer. You don't need a cross. 
I can give you glory. I can give you power. I can give you authority. You don't have to do things that way. You can worship me. You can serve me. And I'll give you all of those things. And we have to speak the truth to the lie and say, no, I will worship God alone. And him only will I serve. Satan tells us, if God really cares about you, he wouldn't let you go through hard times. If he really cares about you, he wouldn't let you struggle. He wouldn't let you suffer. He wouldn't let you hurt. And we have to remember and speak truth to the lie that we will not put the Lord our God to the test. We have to remember that when Satan tells us and lies to us and says, if you're really God's people, if he really loves you, then you can be self-sufficient and use your power and strength for yourself. And we have to speak truth to the lie that it's not by bread alone that men survive, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How often do you think we need to repeat those things? Over and over and over and over again. As many times as we experience the lie. As many times as you experience the lie, you must speak the truth to that lie. And and this is what Christian people have learned to do for 2,000 years. Is that what Jesus did is what we have to do. Be filled with the Spirit and speak Scripture. Speak truth to the lies. Now, of course, it's really important that we notice that Satan also spoke Scripture, didn't he? He also said, it's written, it's written. And Jesus is using Scripture rightly. And Satan is using Scripture wrongly. So we have to be careful that when we are speaking truth, even when we're using Scripture, that we're using Scripture rightly and in context, that we're, we're aware of the entire story, that we know God. It says in verse 13, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The temptations of Jesus were ongoing. I, I want to I go through, I'm, I'm pretty sure this slide is on there. I don't know why Luke 4 wasn't on there, but yes, there we go. Um, Evagrius, Evagrius was a fourth century desert monk. Now, I'm not recommending everything Evagrius said or even wrote, but this book was recommended in the, the book we're sort of studying this quarter Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. And so I, I bought Evagrius' book from the 4th century, and it was very interesting. I love the subtitle, A Monastic Handbook for Combating Demons. That sounds good, doesn't it? A Monastic Handbook for Combating Demons. But it's, it's not what you might think. It's exactly what Jesus was doing. Evagrius went through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different lies that he is tempted to believe, that he was tempted to believe. And he said, against this demon, against this thought, most of them say against this thought, against this thought of whatever, here's the scripture that speaks truth to this deceitful demonic thought. I have this deceitful demonic thought that keeps plaguing me and harassing me. And to this thought, against this thought, I speak this truth. That's what Jesus did, isn't it? He wrestled with Satan. He wrestled with the devil by speaking the truth to the lies. And that's what Evagrius wrote this handbook to say, when when you experience a lie like this, here's a scripture that you can speak against that lie. This book is organized into eight evil thoughts. Eventually, those became the seven deadly sins. But they're gluttony, 
fornication, love of money, sadness, anger, listlessness, sloth, vainglory, and pride. And so he sort of organized them all into these sections, and then all of these like 50 or 60 thoughts and said, against this thought, here's this scripture. Against this thought, here's this scripture. And every section ends with this quote. Blessed is our Lord Jesus Christ, our God, who has given us the victory over the thoughts of the demon of gluttony, or fornication, or the love of money, or sadness, or anger, or listlessness, or vainglory, or pride. All the while saying, Jesus can give us victory over these lies over these demonic ideas that if we will be filled with the Spirit and we will speak truth to these lies, then Jesus can give us the victory. So I want to go through some of these with you. Again, not necessarily to say read Evagrius' book, although that, that would be fine, but, but I, I'll give you sort of another application at the end. But I want to go through and listen to some of the things that he said. So here's one. Against the soul that day and night is harassed by thoughts of fornication, losing hope that it will gain victory over them. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before anybody ever talked about pornography addiction. Evagrius said, this is a common struggle. Against the soul that day and night is harassed by thoughts of fornication, losing hope that it will gain victory over them. And so against that thought, he quotes Deuteronomy 7. But if you should say in your thinking, this nation, the nation that they were going into, the land of Canaan, is greater than I, how will I be able to destroy them? You shall not fear them. Remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all the Egyptians. Now, we might look at that and say, well, that's kind of out of context, isn't it? He's talking about defeating the Canaanites, but he actually goes through and and pulls different scriptures from different books of the Bible. And, And if this was true, if God said to Israel as they were going into the land of Canaan, do not think that I can't give you victory in this place, if that was true for them, how much more so is it true for you and I who stand firm in Christ filled with the Spirit when we are struggling against these demonic thoughts. Isn't it also true for us? Isn't this truth that God has always given his people victory when they trust in him? Isn't that a good truth to speak against the lie? When in your mind you hear the lie, you're never going to have victory over this. You're always going to think about these lustful, fornicating thoughts. You're always going to struggle with this. You're always going to give in to this. Don't fight it. Just give in to it. If we speak this truth that God has always given his people victory, how many times are we going to have to speak this truth? Once? Twice? Ten times? A hundred times? A thousand times? As many times as we hear the lie. Another one. Against the unclean thoughts that persist in us and frequently depict in us obscene images and that bind our intellect with passions of desire in our dishonorable members. Here's the truth from Psalm 6, verses 8 and 9. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my petition. The Lord has accepted my prayer. 
I, I, really, I really love how he takes some of these imprecatory psalms. You know what an imprecatory psalm is? It's the ones where, where David or whomever is saying, destroy them, my enemies who are pursuing me and are hurting me, destroy them. And then taking those and applying those to our, our role as followers of Jesus, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but that doesn't mean we don't have enemies. We do have enemies. Our enemies are the forces of darkness in the heavenly places. We have demonic enemies that are seeking to destroy us. Don't you think that we ought to pray imprecatory psalms against them? Father, destroy them. Make me strong. Listen to my prayer. Help me. Take the psalms that David prayed against his enemies and pray them against your spiritual enemies. These demonic thoughts, these lies, these deceits that continue to harass you. You see, it's, it's nothing new. It's nothing new against the unclean thoughts that persist in us and frequently depict in us obscene images that bind our intellect with passions of desire in our dishonorable members. Those were plaguing the minds and the thoughts of Christians long before the pornography industry of the 21st century. Although, of course, that's made it worse. Against, third one, against the thoughts that suggest to us, look, your brothers in the world are rich and honored by everyone because of their wealth. Against that lie, we say, Psalm 34 and verse 2, my soul shall be honored in the Lord. Let the meek hear and rejoice. Or another one, against the thoughts that meditate upon riches and give no heed to the consuming pain of wealth. See, sometimes we don't even know that's a lie. Wealth is a painful thing. Psalm 62 and verse 10, if wealth should increase, do not set your heart upon it. Or another one, against the thoughts that want to repay evil for evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, see that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. See, what if, what if you were to memorize these passages of Scripture and every time, every time you think, I oughta, why I oughta, you know, I've got to get back at them, I've got to say this, I've got to do that, I'm gonna, they did this to me and I need to do this to them, immediately the truth comes to your mind and you talk back to the lie with the truth, and you tell that lie, see that none of you repays evil for evil. Or this one, against the thought of pride that glorifies me on the pretext that I edify souls with a stable way of life and knowledge of God. In other words, Evagrius is saying, because I'm a preacher, because I help people, I'm tempted to be proud of myself, and against that lie, I say, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guards keep watch in vain. There were college classes. I remember as a 18, 19, 20-year-old that I wouldn't have gotten through because of the lustful thoughts in my mind and my heart. I wouldn't have gotten through if, if I hadn't known passages like Galatians 5, 16, and 17. And I would, I would write them out in my notebook over and over again. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep them from doing what you want to do. Those are the moments when we're strong. 
The moments when we're strong are not the moments where we're not being tempted. The moments where we're strong are the moments where we're being tempted and we have the truth to speak back to those lies. Sadly, there were other times in my life where those lies were coming in and I didn't have the truth to speak to them. I didn't know the truth to speak to them or I didn't, hadn't memorized the truth to speak to them. I hadn't prepared the truth to speak to them or I didn't have the spiritual strength to speak to them. So here's my encouragement to you and this is from John Mark Comer's book but it's create your own handbook for combating demons. You could write that on your notebook, right? Handbook for combating demons. That'll be good. Your family will love to see that laying around the house. But create your own. Create your own. And every, every thought that you have, number one, what is a thought or feeling that keeps harassing your mind and heart? Chances are, while we've been having this conversation tonight, maybe something has already come to your mind. A thought that you keep having or a feeling that you keep having. Maybe it's just anxiety and you're just worried about something. And then asking yourself, number two, what is the lie beneath that thought or feeling? What is the lie beneath that thought or feeling? And then finally, what is a passage of scripture you can use to speak truth to that lie? I started doing this recently and man, it's like, why? Why has it taken me this many years to, to, to hear about this idea or to, to start practicing this? And so I, I started a notebook this week of this thought, this lie, and then against this lie, against this lie, I speak this truth. And you're going to have to repeat it over and over and over again. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Even when you read that passage, what lies does that speak against? Maybe it's the lie that causes us to be slothful, listless, apathetic, to think, ah, it's no big deal, it's kind of overblown, it's just, you know, we just all struggle, I'm just human, whatever. No, you're in a battle. You're wrestling against demonic forces. But it's also against the lie that it's futile, or it's in vain, or it's hopeless, or you're helpless. You are able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against his schemes. Let's pray. Father God, help us to write the truth on our hearts. Help us to repeat it over and over and over again. Help us, Father, to recognize the lies when we hear them because we're so familiar with the truth. And help us, Father, to speak the truth to those lies. Help us, Father, to encourage one another and build one another up, to remember what's at stake, to remember the lies that plague us, and to have the strength to stand firm, to put on your armor that you've given us, that we may be able to stand against the devil's schemes. We pray, Father, that you give us that strength today and every day, and we thank you, Father, for the forgiveness and for the grace and the mercy and the spiritual presence of your Holy Spirit today and every day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.